As of August 15th, the four regional jails in Southwest Virginia held 390 women. This incarceration rate, which is largely the result of drug-related charges, speaks to the powerful need in this region for residential treatment of women in recovery, according to some experts. In response to this need, the Appalachian Substance Abuse Coalition has joined forces with the Hands and Feet Ministry, which is based in Damascus, as well as other partners. Together, they have secured use of a large 54-bed facility in Abingdon to provide affordable, drug-free, and safe housing for women, especially those leaving incarceration and detox facilities. The goal of this facility, known as the Mended Women Lifestyle Recovery, is to dramatically enhance the opportunities for women to maintain their recovery and to build the resources and networks necessary to lead productive, drug-free, and prison-free lives. Linda Austin is the executive director of the Appalachian Substance Abuse Coalition. She joins me in the studio today to talk about mended women lifestyle recovery and the opportunities it provides in addressing substance abuse and other challenges for women in the region. Thank you for joining me today, Linda. Thank you. Before we talk about mended women lifestyle recovery, I want to Talk about what makes you think this program will be successful. What is the need for it, and how do you think its impact is going to affect our communities? Dirk, you know that um, in far southwest Virginia, we have four regional jails, and they are just bursting at the seams. Seventy percent of the correctional residents in those facilities are there because of drugs or a drug-related crime uh, that they've committed under the influence or they've committed to further uh, their use. Uh, you know, they go into withdrawals and they start looking for things that they can uh, get the money for uh, to stop their suffering from the withdrawals. And so we know that there is a desperate need. Um, as of Monday, August 15th, there were 390 women in those four facilities, um, and we do not have a residential treatment facility in far southwest Virginia anywhere within 150 miles of Abingdon for women. Um, and so when they're released from incarceration, because of their history of substance misuse, they often go back to where they came from, and then they go back to where they came from, and they end up in jail again. That's why we have extremely high numbers here in far southwest of um, incarceration, of recidivism, of uh, reoccurrence of addictions, of kids going into foster. You know the need that exists here in far southwest. And the revolving door is not going to stop swinging until we get the resources that we need here to take care of our people. I think you told me earlier you could almost fill mended women life style recovery as soon as the door is open. Absolutely. You walk in that place and you just see all the possibilities. Are you getting a sense of enthusiasm from the people that could ultimately support this, whether they're county and town officials or other uh, stakeholders who are or should be excited about this? Absolutely. We have had two open houses at the facility and we have had about 150 people come through uh, during those two open houses. 
many folks in recovery have come by very excited about the possibility of helping people who are where they were, um, who have that lived experience, which we know is gold, mm-hmm. um, you know, helping someone to survive the very things that you've gone through yourself. And to be able to say, I experienced that, and now, you know, I'm well, and I have family, and I have a job that I've always wanted, and, you know, I have a home, and I have the things that I dreamed of. Um, and you can have those too. That's important. When you think about the women who will enter the facility, do they fit some kind of a profile or do they come from all walks of life? Oh my goodness. You know addiction has no uh, is no respecter of person. It is every socioeconomic um, sector in our society. Uh, they're you know the the wealthy, the impoverished, um, we see people struggling with substance misuse across the board, male, female, black, white, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, We're all struggling in some way, and some people, they're, I've often heard people say drugs are not the problem, they're the solution, and and that's true for a lot of people. Mm. You know, a lot of people have mental health issues that have been, you know, either undiagnosed or underdiagnosed. Um, they haven't found the medication that helps them find that balance, and so they will self-medicate. We often see people who have suffered terrible trauma, and when they are injured in some way or have surgery, all of a sudden they don't have those um, constant memories of that abuse that they suffered, or sometimes it's You know, it's trauma from a car accident or they've lost a loved one that they've never really found a way to deal with the grief. And so their their solution is the drugs and they're often prescribed initially. Um, So often addiction starts with a prescription and it just continues out of someone's medicine cabinet. That's why drug take backs are so important. But it often, they end up going to the street um, when they can no longer get it by prescription. We are seeing great support from folks in this region, the politicians, local state government. We have had many from probation. We've had doctors and lawyers and judges come to the facility uh, that are being very supportive of what we're doing because day in, day out, we all see it. What will the intake process be like? Do these women have to come directly from prison, or are there any women who are are suffering from addiction and from real challenges related to their misuse of drugs? They won't have to come from a correctional facility. Um, Most folks will get referred from DSS, perhaps, or, you know, um, agencies that are trying to keep their children in the homes. Um, They will come from correctional institutions. They will also come from self-referrals, from churches, from just contacting the facility themselves saying, I need help. Um, It will not be equipped to detox. Um, So a lot of the referrals will come from the detox facilities, Mm -hmm. um, which there are not many in our area. But um, it will be open to women across the Commonwealth of Virginia. Most of the women will come from right here at home, however. And I think I read that the two challenges you're trying to meet is the addiction challenge and then sort of the entry into the 
the world challenge, the job, the employment, the opportunity challenge. Yes. How are you addressing both of those? What kind of people uh, work to, to meet those challenges? And, and what other assets do you need to try to help meet those challenges? Well, Fairview Housing, which is a nonprofit um, based in Johnson City, it was actually started nearly 50 years ago in Tazewell County, Virginia, to develop affordable housing. That corporation has continued on through the years developing affordable housing. They have had Manor House in Johnson City for more than 20 years, and that is for men. They recently, I believe it was March or April, opened a house for women in Johnson City. And then two years ago in July, they opened Bristol Lifestyle Recovery. And so they are extremely well-versed, well-experienced, and they have great outcomes. Mm -hmm. Um, Their outcomes right now with the men is right at 85%, which is extremely high in this field of service. 85% Um, of men? Being successful that come through the program. Um, They are following men now that have graduated from the program more than a year ago, mm-hmm. and they are still being successful oh, in, nice. in their lives. They're, you know, many of them have the same jobs they had when they left the facility, and they're still experiencing um, sobriety and um, reunification with their kids, and you know, just a lot of great outcomes um, that has been documented. Um, uh, and women sometimes are challenging, and we suspect that's probably part of the reason that there's not a facility in this area. Um, you know, women come often with children, and you have to find placement for their kids. Um, they're very protective of their children. They love their kids. You know, it's not a matter of not loving them the decisions they make in their uh, addiction. Them not loving their kids is not part mm-hmm. of the equation. Mm-hmm. They're just trying to stay alive. Yes. Um, you know, their their body and their brains tell them that if they don't get the drugs to stop the withdrawals, that they will die. And for some of them, that's so, mm-hmm. uh, depending on, on the drug or alcohol that they're, they're addicted to. But they love their kids, and that keeps a lot of women from getting the help they need themselves as long as they have custody. So, and Mended Women has a solution, don't they, in that regard? The next phase, we will. Right now, Fairview does Medicaid 3.1 treatment. Medicaid 3.3 is required to take pregnant women in, but they are going to apply for that license mm-hmm. as well. Uh, the facility actually is on six acres, and there is a two-story house, um, which when the women, um, in the next phase, when the pregnant women are with us and they deliver while they're there, the 60 to 90 days, we'll be able to take care of their kids in the house uh, while the moms continue in their recovery, uh, in their treatment. So that is phase two. But initially, we are working with Mount Mission School in Buchanan County. It is a fully accredited school, and they can take care of the kids there for days or months or even years while the moms get the help that they need. And whether that's serving time in jail or prison for you know a period of time, or that is detoxing and rehabbing, or you know it's finding stable housing or finding a new job. So Mountain Mission is a great resource in our region there mm-hmm. in Buchanan County. Um, October 13th, ASAC will have its meeting at Mount Mission. 
Uh, and so we're going to tour. We're going to eat lunch with the kids there with the students. So Mountain Mission School, their website, if people want to learn more about them, it's mmskids.org, as in Mountain Mission School kids.org. So it's a great resource and a great community partner that's going to be able to take care of those kids while their mamas get well. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned them because I want to talk a little bit later on about the partnerships that have helped bring this together and are helping to sustain it, we hope. But first, I want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about the Open Table program. Yes, the Open Table is um, a program that Anthem actually has come up with. They are funding it and we are working on getting three tables started in far southwest. It is a program where folks like you and I who have um, relationships established, that's where we share those relationships, that social capital, with folks who don't have it. The actual program started, I don't know, maybe 20 years ago. There was a man going to a homeless shelter, John, to minister, and he met a fellow there who uh, didn't have any of that social capital, and they became friends, and um, Ernie started coming to church with John, and a group at the church became his table informally, Mm -hmm. Um, and so they say Ernie actually started this program, not John, Mm -hmm. because Ernie recognized his own needs, and he asked for help. Um, which is sometimes not easy for us to do, but it's so important because people are willing to help. They just don't know how often. And so John and the others at his church wrapped around Ernie. Um, They found that Ernie had some goals, and one of them, he wanted to go back to work, but he didn't have transportation. He had a vehicle, but it wasn't running. And so he wanted his truck working, and he wanted a job. And so John had been using the same mechanic for 15 years. So John reaches out to his mechanic and tells him Ernie's story. And the mechanic agrees to repair Ernie's truck for only the, the cost of the parts. Mm-hmm. And so the table was able to find that funding. They got Ernie's truck fixed. And then another person at Ernie's table knew someone who needed a security guard at night and Ernie had military experience and he was a security person. So um, they were able to get his truck fixed and get him a job. So that has turned into tables across the country working with different folks. And so air tables are going to be focusing on pregnant and or parenting mothers. Mm -hmm. So it's a perfect fit for Mended Women Mm -hmm. Lifestyle Recovery. So we've had probably 20, 25 people who have gone through the initial information sessions who will begin training soon. So we're going to wrap around and love on some of these mamas who are struggling. So the people who are trained are people who will be sitting at the table the with table. them. Okay. Yes. And then the mother, she'll be at the head of the table. She'll make those decisions about what goal she has and oh. how she wants to get there. And then the table members will bring their piece of the puzzle. Like, I know lots of people like you do, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, um, you know, some people see me coming and they go in the opposite direction because they know. <laughs> <laughs> they know I have a task for them. Uh-huh. Um, and so people laugh about that all the time. But I think most of them still love me. I don't know. Sometimes uh, I haven't gotten blocked from anybody's <laughs> Facebook or phone account that I'm aware of. 
So, um, but it's amazing to watch people just with a little bit of love and encouragement mm-hmm. flourish. Mm-hmm. I mean, they get their lives back on track. And many of them, like Ernie and John, they have been friends now for more than 15 years since this program started. They hang out every week, you know, mm-hmm. because it was reciprocal. I mean, we all glean so much from relationships, no matter what we're bringing to the table. Well, I don't know how anyone could walk in the opposite direction of you <laughs> with all the good that you're doing. And this sounds like a wonderful idea Thank to you. bring people together yes. and solve problems for individuals. I want to go to a break, Linda, but when we do come back, I want to talk a little bit about, more about the partnerships and how this whole arrangement came together. It's yes. fascinating what you did to build a coalition of people are in support of this very important need. You are listening to Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. I am I'm your host, Dirk Moore, and today I'm talking with Linda Austin with the Appalachian Substance Abuse Coalition, and we have been talking about mended women lifestyle recovery. You've also been listening to WEHC 90.7, The Voice of Southwest Virginia. Welcome back to Together to Get There. Today I am speaking with Linda Austin with the Appalachian Substance Abuse Coalition. We have been talking about the Mended Women Lifestyle Recovery, uh, which is set to open soon, hopefully with the right support that, Linda, I know you're working on garnering. Talk a little bit about the success you're having there and what that means to the possible at least tentative date for opening this center. Yes. We... um are working to find $720,000, and that's not a lot if you say it fast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are working to hopefully find 50,000 grassroots, and we're about halfway there. Mm -hmm. Um, We have No Roof, No Recovery coming up on September the 18th at the Higher Ed Center, uh, which is an afternoon of music. Uh, We're going to raise awareness and hopefully a little bit of money on that day with uh, several different genres of music. David and Ann Ledgerwood are heading that up. Um, there are great members of the music community in our area. So um, we do have some foundations that um, have visited with us and are interested in helping us fund. They do want to find some match money. They want us to fund that. Um, and so we're working on that. So part of it's going to be grassroots, but part of it's hopefully going to come from foundations. We do have um, hopes that we're going to open the first quarter of 2023, um, which absolutely seems doable right now with the interest that we're seeing. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's uh, lots of opioid money flying around, and it just makes sense that a facility addressing the um, aftermath of the epidemic uh, created by the opioids is part of that funding. Um, But there are a lot of people that are concerned and willing to help. So we're we're looking to connect with those. Well, you must be at least excited about the the fact that this, it looks like you are on your way to filling those beds, beds that you didn't have 
a few that's months right. ago. That's right. And I'm wanting to know how this all came together. I know it was uh, uh, work of the Appalachian Substance Abuse Coalition, but you had some other people involved with that. Talk a little bit about how this uh, whole idea got planted and how it started to grow. Yes. Well, Ann Ledgerwood has Samaritan House Ministries um, here in the in the Glide area. She started that five years ago, and they do some reentry work with women coming out of incarceration. I direct, in addition to ASAC, I also direct Hands and Feet Ministries, which we go into the facilities and we do a lot of reentry work as well. So Ann and I often have conversations about the lack of housing and the lack of treatment specifically for women. I hear those conversations all over this region through ASAC events. And so we were having conversations, conversations, and nothing was coming out of them. And so Ann and I decided uh, in December that we were going to have a Zoom meeting and we would see who showed up. So I have known Bob Garrett, the CEO of Fairview Housing, for many years, and I asked him to come to the table. Um, another one of those people that, you know, think about turning and going in the other direction <laughs> he sees me. <laughs> Not really. Bob was very gracious and, uh, and came to our meeting. There were four of us um, at the first meeting on December 29th. And we, that was a Wednesday at noon. And so we have met most noons on Wednesday since then. Um, and our group has grown to include several people, several agencies, lots of nonprofits. And so um, Bob was laughing one day that he only came to humor me since I asked him <laughs> to come. And uh, he didn't really expect the Lord, honestly, to yeah. do what he did. We didn't meet for two weeks after that first meeting, and we had found the building by the time we met the second time. So, so that quickly. Yes. Yes. And but since then, things have sort of picked up momentum, and it sounds like you've established even more partnerships and yes. more interest. How is that going to help expedite the opening of the facility? Well, through ASAC's, you know, connections, uh, we have 630-plus members now, many, many agencies, nonprofits, ministries, for-profits. There's just a, an eclectic mix of people at the ASAC table through those community partnerships, I was invited to go to Richmond um, and have coffee with the Attorney General, mm -hmm. which is a new program that his office has started, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Um, you know, he is very humble. He says, I know that I don't know everything I need to know about what's going on in the Commonwealth. And so he is gathering people to come to his office in Richmond and talk about different topics like human trafficking, mm -hmm. like veterans like um, the homeless um, so different social needs that exist across the Commonwealth and so I was there um, on the 17th of August and was blessed to have coffee with him um, along with I don't know 40 50 other people and you know people were expressing the needs that they have there was two of us along with his liaison from far southwest Virginia and the rest of them were from Roanoke up of mm -hmm. course mm -hmm. you know sure. um, and so I listened to them talk about not having enough and you know we need more we need more and I was the last one that spoke in that group and I I simply said we need a facility mm -hmm. we need 
one. You know, yeah. we, we, and he was shocked. I mean, his facial expression told that he wasn't aware mm-hmm. that, that we are without down here. Um, you know, and there are treatment facilities for women in the contiguous states, but we shouldn't have to go to another state to mm-hmm. get the treatment that's needed by our people. So uh, we shouldn't spend the Commonwealth's money in Tennessee or Kentucky, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I love our neighbors, mm-hmm. but the people that need help here in far Southwest need to get help here at home. They don't need to be out of their culture. They don't need to be away from their families. They don't need to be away from their kids. They need help, and they need it here. And so um, the director of the Opioid Abatement Authority was there as well, and I talked with him uh, about the needs that we have here in Far Southwest. And we have to continue to say, we are here and we need help. We need your attention. Because Richmond sometimes forgets we're down here. I'm pretty certain of that. (laughs) It's interesting. I think this current administration has expressed a desire to serve the people of far southwest Virginia more. And, of course, our own elected leaders are willing to do that and wanting to do that. So do you feel like there might be an opportunity with all that to get some greater public support for what you're doing? I think so. I absolutely. And, you know, the attorney general, he called Chuck Slimp from far southwest from Wise County up to be his chief deputy. And so Chuck is up there advocating for us day in and day out. So we're very thankful for that. But, you know, Senator Pillion has always been a huge supporter of ASAC. And he has been to the facility and he has met with us. And he's a he's very much a supporter of what we're trying to do because he knows the needs. He sees it right here at home. Well, we don't have a lot of time, but I want to talk now about you because you've been like a dog with a bone on this for a long time. And this has to feel like a real dream come true for you. But it must also make you excited for, I know, the many women that you've worked with on a very personal level on this. Talk about how this is coming together for you emotionally. Oh, my goodness. Now you're going to make me cry, Dirk. (laughs) Um, Having been um, in different ministries through the years. You know, I people ask me all the time how I actually got into, into addiction and recovery because I am not myself in recovery. And, and I honestly can't tell you other than I think through the years of youth ministry, we saw so many kids at church, you know, struggling because their families were struggling. And I think that's actually when it started for me. Um, but to see the needs that exist in our communities and to, you know, have the privilege of loving on these women when they come out of incarceration and and they have such a need um, to be loved and respected and to be reminded of their self-worth, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's, that's what, that is what started me down this road. Um, And of course, for 35 years, I worked in law offices Mm -hmm. in our communities, and and I saw so many families torn apart by addiction, Um, saw so many hearts broken. And, um, you know, just to to be able to do what I can to make life better for them and to connect them to the resources that they need for that to happen, that's what I want to do. That's... um, I can't imagine doing anything other than what I do. 
and some days it's hard, um, but it's worth it when you see even one of them get their lives back on track. You know, I have pictures of my phone, on my phone that I got last week from a young lady that I helped, and uh, she's got her kids back. She's in college, and she's gained her weight back. She looks amazing, you know, and she's being a mom to her kids, and she's getting her education, so... That was worth all those tears and those prayers <laughs> and those sleepless nights. Yeah. Well, now you've made me cry. <laughs> so I really have to thank you, Linda, for the, the big heart that you've had for this and the ability that you've had to feel for these people. And I hope other people can come around to sharing that and supporting this. And I know when they do that this is going to be a far better community for it. And thank you for all that you've done. And thank you for talking to me today. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. (laughs) And after I quit sniffling, I will (laughs) thank you all for listening. This is Dirt Moore, and this is Together to Get There, the show dedicated to economic and community development in Southwest Virginia. And you have been listening to WEHC 90.7, the voice of Southwest Virginia. Thank you for listening.